0: Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues.
1: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondoraya. It's business, but it's personal.
0: Welcome to another Jazz Shapers, where the shapers of Jazz Soul and Blues collide with the shapers of business. Following on from the excitement of last week's very special Shaper on Shaper program, with two greats talking to each other, and more on that later, today's business shaper with a story to tell is Rod Schwartz from Clearly So. In 1997, Rod set up Catalyst, where he became passionate about businesses trying to make the world a better place. In particular, Rod was reportedly inspired by how innovative and powerful just Giving seemed, and convinced himself that the world needed a company whose purpose was to create a hundred more JustGivings. As a result, in 2008, Catalyst became clearly so, described as Europe's leading impact investment bank, and has raised over £230 million for its clients. Rod, thank you so much for joining.
2: Good morning. Is it okay to call you Rod? You can call me whatever you like, Elliot. What would
0: you prefer? Either. Good. <laughs> Rod and Rodney, all in one go, tell me in your own words what Clearly So is, and then we'll work backwards, because there's so many things I want to talk to you about.
2: Clearly So is really simple to explain. It's an impact investment bank. So think of what an investment bank does. And we only do it with clients that generate significant social, ethical, or environmental impact. And what we basically help them to do is raise money. And we help prepare them to raise money either from individual investors or from institutional investors. And that's what we do. And we do it all across Europe. And we're Europe's biggest impact investment bank.
0: Uh, and you've talked before, I think, or your, the way that you communicate your business is all around this third dimension yeah. of, of investing. Because people talk about risk. They talk about return. And you're saying, can we please think about impact? Why? Why, well, it, why just, do you think it's interesting?
2: It's not just, can we please think about impact? People are thinking about impact. Um, think about it this way. When I did enter the markets, people only did think about the two dimensions, um, return and risk. In fact, when I first entered the market, people only thought about return. But it was only in the aftermath of the very volatile period of the 1970s that people thought, oh, you know what? This volatility is not a very good thing. I think I'd like to have less of it. And then investing became two-dimensional. What I contend is that in 2008, the crash it got people thinking, actually, the system's not working so well. There's other things going on that I don't really understand. Economists call those things externalities. And impact is about measuring those positive and negative externalities. Now, that's all very technical. Think about it this way. Think of how many people are now buying fair trade food. People are paying extra for fair trade food. The products do not taste better. They often taste worse. Um, They don't give you any health benefits. You're just paying because you're using your wallet or or purse to demonstrate your preferences for products that have ethical dimensions that you agree with. And that is changing consumer markets and it's changing financial markets. And that's the third dimension.
0: Now, this third dimension was not apparent when you started in the world of the financial system because you were a proper hardcore expert. You were head of this and head of that at the biggest banks in the world. At what point did you have your epiphany? and say, you know what, this isn't right. The financial system doesn't work. Fairness is important. Impact is important. I'm going to change everything I do. Because
2: you have. There was no moment of a Damascene conversion. Um, It was a steady sense of guilt and just a belief that I needed to do something different. And even when I was in my first job at Payne Weber, which is now part of UBS, and I was following as an analyst uh, the largest investment banks, I started getting involved in a charitable sector. I worked for a a, a charity called House Foundation for the Arts. So this sense of an obligation or need to do something else but make a lot of money has been with me. I think it just took me a long time to find the courage to do it full time and as a profession.
0: You talked about guilt. Um, And I've read before about you and your family, and you you came from an immigrant background. You're obviously American, although that accent is gentle now, because you've probably been here in the UK for a while. More than half my life. There you go. I had my half
2: and half party last year. (laughs)
0: Congratulations. Um, Is there a sense that your family, um, if you think about the influences in your life and where you've arrived at now, have they had... a a slow burn in the background about what would be right for you to pursue in your life? Or is it just coincidence that they were an immigrant family, that they came with nothing and all that?
2: Complicated question. I mean, I'm Jewish, and both my parents are Holocaust survivors, so maybe I have some survivor's guilt. Uh, I think Woody Allen does lots on Jewish guilt and how that plays out, so I'm sure I have been shaped by that. I also went to a very religious school when I was young uh, called the yeshiva, And in that school, I would have had the morals of the Bible um, impressed upon me. Actually, I was expelled then at 15, so it wasn't uh, in all ways a very successful impression. On the other hand, I do think that we all have a need, or I feel a sense of need, to do something positive in the world. There is a Hebrew word for it, or a phrase, it's called tikkun olam. Uh, which means, I guess, in a sense, to perfect the world to make it better. To heal it. To heal it. I think that's a better word. And I feel that sense, and I think I have always felt that sense. And it's ironic because I was once asked about 10 or 15 years ago why I did this. And that phrase just popped into my head, and I probably hadn't thought of it since I was expelled from yeshiva at 15
0: and the interesting thing again, just to, to to share this, is that in addition to all the things you set up your first business in nineteen ninety seven, I think it yeah. was. Yeah. In addition to all these things, and we're going to come to the core of the business. You have been the chairman at Just Giving, which many people will be familiar with. The chairman at Shelter. Uh, you've been a non-exec director in all sorts of different charitable things. So you haven't you have gone full force into the world of hold on a minute. I really want to contribute. But tell me about the ninety-seven moment and why that happened. That ca- the, the the formation of your first business. I
2: think it was just a negative thing. I think I just couldn't carry on working in the city anymore. I'd like to feel as if, yeah, I did this and I had this great moment, but it wasn't like that. It was a gradual extraction of myself from doing things that were just about making money. Having said that, I, I have nothing against making money. I, I, I think it's important for people, especially those who live in London, to make money. But I think that life isn't just about that. And uh, I, in addition to some of the organizations you've mentioned, I have tried to stay in the commercial world as well, and I think it's the combination of the two that I think has value for me. However, I just thought once I passed 40, and I guess I was 40 in 1997, I wanted to dedicate a lot more of my time to trying to make a positive difference in the world. And, and just to, can I talk a little about just giving because sure. that was quite interesting. So your listeners will be familiar with just giving and what it does. And that experience was eye-opening to me. Being chair of a large charity was not. It had some very depressing moments and some really frustrating moments. But here was a business that was run by two amazing women, founded by two amazing women, which makes it unusual, actually, and in the spirit of the time, let me say, they're both foreign-born, one from Belgium, one from Pakistan. Uh, So when we think about this government's immigration policy, I think we should reflect on that, but that's, that's an aside. Just Giving was a business that had deployed the kind of best of capitalist techniques, uh, entrepreneurial techniques, built a really great business, but also changed the whole world of charitable giving. And through its platform raised over six billion dollars so if you think about it the five million that went into just giving from investors in the early stages created a business which in and of itself was successful so it sold last year for almost a 100 million pounds so successful investment that's all to the good but in addition it really made a positive impact on the world and my motivation for setting up clearly so was to create 100 Just Givings and help facilitate their development by getting them the money they need to succeed.
0: Stay with me for much more from my business shape today. That's Rod Schwartz, and he'll be back in a couple of minutes. But first, talking about the world of finance, you've probably heard about cryptocurrency and bitcoins and the like. But what is it exactly, and what do you need to be aware of? Our latest news sessions podcast with Paddy O'Connell, which can be found on all of the major podcast platforms. It's all about that. And here's a taster just for you right now.
1: The News Sessions with Paddy O'Connell. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Just FM.
3: Hello, welcome to The News Sessions. I'm Paddy O'Connell. In the past few years, whole currencies have been invented, called cryptocurrencies, which have absolutely nothing at all to do with the bank of any country. Today, we're going to open the vault of mystery about something now worth billions of pounds to ask what's in it for you and what about safety and tax. Here from law firm Rea, our tax lawyer Helen Cox. Hello, Helen. Hi there. And cybersecurity lead Joe Hancock. Hello, Joe. Hello. How safe is it now for people? The currency
4: itself is is very safe. It's how you store it. And what we see around cryptocurrency, like we see with all kind of digital issues, is is old crimes in new ways. There's frauds, there's thefts, there's all the problems you'd have if you were holding a large amount of cash or, or you had uh, another type of, of online bank account. We do see lots of issues around you know, wallet mechanisms. So you need an online wallet or an electronic wallet to, wallet to store these currencies in. And those are vulnerable to all sorts of problems. They're vulnerable to something being installed on your computer system or mobile device that extracts these funds and we see people out there who are actively trying to to defraud people in the same way as people are actively trying to defraud people who use online banking so the currency itself is intrinsically safe it's a a computer program uh, like any other in the same way if you're making an electronic transfer it's safe it's the security around the end of it but just in the same way as online banking, you need, to protect, you need to protect your cryptocurrency wallet as well.
3: So if we go back to online banking, the way it began, and the way that people began to be scammed and fished and basically have their money nicked, one of the things that was invented by the banks was a little, like an old-style pocket calculator in which you put your chip and PIN card and you were asked at key transactional stages to tally the latest number with the online prompt. Now, Has that sort of thing gone into the world of cryptocurrency? Is cryptocurrency being protected with the sort of measures that I recognise if I have an online bank account?
4: It's been protected with similar measures. You have this concept of a hardware wallet, which often looks a bit like a USB storage device, and that really that contains the keys you need to access that wallet. And you know, when you make a transaction, it'll prompt you to say yes or no on the little screen on the device. Is this what you wanted to do? And so, it's very, very similar to those hardware devices you're used to using for your your online bank today.
1: The New Sessions podcast with Paddy O'Connell from Mishkon Find more of the New Sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes.
0: We've had so much great feedback on last week's special Shaper on Shaper programme featuring Maurice Healthcott from Avery Capital and Simon Woodroff, the creator of Yo! Brand, asking the questions of each other. It was genuinely brilliant to be part of it. And if you've missed it, you can find that along with hundreds of other programmes on your favourite podcast platform or also on our exclusive Jazz Shaper Smart Speaker channel. And today's conversation, back right here, right now, is with Rod Schwartz from Clearly So. And that, in addition, will be available from 10am this morning. We've talked, Rod, about all sorts of things around scale, and you talked about, you know, brilliant, this business is worth X, £100 million, but actually it raised £6 To create a business of scale, you need people, and you need good people. 97, you started a team then. You've gone again with Clearly So As You rebranded. Tell me a little bit about how you found the right people and what they brought to you that you couldn't do yourself.
2: It was really hard to find the right people, because basically we were looking for investment bankers, and investment bankers, you will know, have a high opportunity cost, and we certainly couldn't pay what investment bankers could. And it took us a long time, actually, to build the right team. We have 20 people now. They're fantastic. We had an event last night where all of them shone, and I just feel blessed with 20 of the most amazing people who are both really skilled at what they do as investment bankers, because you need those transactional and executional and sales skills. But at the same time, they really believe they're changing the world for the better. And it's not just the team that uh, works there day to day, it's the investors who have supported us, and there are over 50 of those. It's the board members who have guided us. We've just been blessed by people who have really created this business. And I feel very little like a founder or a CEO, more like somebody who's just been delighted to be able to watch it happen around me. And that's been a fantastic feeling.
0: I talk to many people about the teams that they create. And in in the world of um, for profit, purely for profit, the game is different when you're hiring people, because they're, you know, they're not quite guns for hire, but they are they're focused on making money and the business is going to make money and so on. And a number of the people I interview then go on to, you know, have company valuations of billions and stuff and so on. And, that's and fine. maybe we will. And, and maybe you will too. But in terms of hiring, it must be easier for a business like yours because there's a sense of purpose and a sense of mission.
2: Is that a fair point? It's easier with some people. It's much harder with others. We do stand out. And the people who are looking for a business that will make a difference in the world will come to us. And that's great, but it also means that there are certain skill sets that are really difficult for us to find and to acquire because they have a very high opportunity cost. But you'll appreciate that. Uh, However, uh, the people who come to Clearly So have made a huge financial sacrifice, but I think one day, That will be a little bit rewarded. It might not be sort of a Morgan Stanley reward, but uh, we think that we will one day maybe exit the business and people will all do well and everybody in the company has options. So that's part of it. But I think at the same time, they too feel that life is more than just about maximizing return. You want to say something to those you love and to your children that you've made a difference through your life. And that's important. And that's the sort of people we tend to get.
0: Ten years ago, uh, we were in a very different situation with regard to bankers making a difference, and it was generally negative. And I guess that politics and economics over the last ten years, wherever you are in the political spectrum, wherever you are economically, and pretty much whichever country you're in, you've been impacted by what was essentially the collapse of the financial system as we knew it in 2008. Ten years later, Rod, what's changed, if anything?
2: Well, a lot's changed. People often ask us what impact the crash has had on us, and it's actually had a very positive effect because, and that's a horrible thing to say, but because it made people aware that there were deep, serious flaws in capitalism as it was practiced. And this past week was quite a poetic one for me because it was the 10th year anniversary of Lehman's collapse. Lehman is a company I followed as an equity research analyst. I worked for as head of equities here in Europe. Dick Fuld, the disgraced CEO who was there when Lehman fell down, gave me my last interview. And then it was just amazing that the very same week Lehman collapsed was the week we founded Clearly So. And we just celebrated our 10th anniversary. And I just thought that was amazingly poetic. But life doesn't always work out that poetically. But it really was a great alignment last week. And jumping
0: forward 10 years from now, let's play that game, 2028. What's the financial system going to look like? Will we have resolved the issues that are inherent within capitalism? Will politics have calmed down so that we're not all checking our phones every three minutes for another incredible announcement by the president or a prime minister of a country?
2: Who on earth knows what will happen in 10 years? There's lots, I think, to be quite depressed about right now. All we aim to do, it clearly so, and all I aim to do is just do what I can do to make the world a better place. And I think that our practical approach to making the world a better place really resonates with people. Lots of people want to do good, but it's, it's getting the balance right between good intentions and proper execution. And that's what we're about. And I want to talk about execution
0: for a moment, just so people understand the kind of businesses that you're raising money to invest in. Uh, a couple in front of me, there's Bulb, the renewable energy retailer, which has been in the press recently because it's just done a, another raise, which gives it a big valuation. Super Carers, I believe is one of them. Adam was on this program. Not, I heard that program. Not that long ago. You've got Oddbox in there, uh, which is the wonky fruit and veg box scheme, which I love. Uh, you've got Cubot in there. Um, it, are there do you kind of fall in love with these cuz I've I've always been interested in in ethical investing and I get excited about doing good as well as making money. Does it feel the same from, from an emotional in love point of view with
2: every single one of these businesses? The question I most commonly get asked is what's your favorite? And the truth is, I kind of love them all. I mean, you mentioned Oddbox. We actually buy Oddbox. We've just increased our order from one to two fruit boxes a week. So we love the Oddbox in many senses. But it's a really cool business because so much food gets wasted and it gets wasted for ridiculous reasons like the apples are not sufficiently red or the bananas are not the right color, which is absolutely ridiculous when people in the world are starving. And I think that will be a good investment. On the other hand, Bulb Energy, which you mentioned, was a client that came to us a year or so ago looking for money. At the time, we thought the valuation was high uh, at uh, 60 million post money, but they've just raised another 60 million at 411 million post money proving the point that you can do really well at the same time as you do good because Bulb Energy is 100% renewable and also does really well by its customers, as Trustpilot suggests. And I love those companies that are changing the world and at the same time rewarding investors. And hopefully all investors will start to move in that direction, and that's what we're about.
0: My final chat with Rod's coming up in a few minutes. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Earth, Wind & Fire. That's coming up very shortly.
2: Jazz Shapers
1: on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's what personal. Life
2: can truly be for you to see what your
0: life can truly be That was the big, brilliant sound of earth, wind and fire with shining star Rod's dancing in the studio, but luckily you can't see it, uh, only I can um, I have Rod's shorts just for a few more minutes, we've talked about a bunch of stuff I haven't asked you this question um, what about your own personal attitude towards making money? You've got, a, you've got a kind of view of the world which says it's important that you know, you, you do it ethically and, and, and properly with, with, with positive, positive impacts. Is it... I'm,
2: I'm solidly in favor of it. I just think that what you want to do is make money in a way that doesn't destroy the planet and in a way that is beneficial for society. And if people out there, your listeners, are thinking about what they can do, just start to use that lens through which to see your investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. You will do no worse than you'll do in the mainstream, but you'll actually feel a lot better.
0: There's a whole bunch of theory around liberal economics and and the like. And um, without sounding a bit strange, there's a, a philosopher, Hayek, who talks about reluctant interventions. It sounds to me like, as much as I'm not in favour of the government, any government getting involved, it sounds like we need to be looking at these reluctant interventions where we can encourage companies to do the right thing. Is that a fair point? And if it was fair, how would you do it?
2: Well, I think the government's have been trying to intervene to encourage impact investment. And that was a labor initiative. That was a coalition initiative. That was a conservative initiative. But I think so much of it is trying to lavish tax breaks on rich people to do this, which I think has lots of flaws. I think what they should do is much more fundamental. These externalities I talked about earlier, when they're negative, they should be taxed. So companies that pollute, companies that bring down financial systems, they should be taxed much more significantly so that they bear the full cost of the harm they're causing to the planet and to society. On the other hand, companies that do good things That pass on free positive externalities, they should be given tax credits, and that will make their business models more profitable. More capital will then flow to those businesses. More capital will flow away from those bad businesses. I call that fiscal tilting. I've been talking about it for a while. Can't get anybody to listen. Maybe one of your listeners will. Well, a few more people. I can do something about it.
0: Yeah, fiscal tilting. I like it. it, We might need to work on the way it sounds. Yeah, well, you know, maybe that's the issue because actually the thinking behind it's brilliant. I have one more question that people listening, going, well, what do I do? You you just touched on it briefly, but in a really practical way, someone has money to invest. What would they or they want to give money in in a different way? What's their next action?
2: Well, there's plenty of ways to give money. We talked about just giving, so that's not the question. Uh, I think if people want to invest differently, high net worth individuals can get involved in organizations like ours and others, which are facilitating their direct investment into impactful businesses. The reason I say high net worth individuals, and I'm sorry about this, is that we are not permitted by financial regulations to ask the guy in the street to invest. Uh, it's funny because we don't discourage them from charitable giving, uh, which means they will you know, f- effectively give away all that money. They won't see anything back. But when they may get something back in a return, we restrict it. Now, that's a bit perverse. I think we should be encouraging uh, uh, people to invest uh, with impact.
0: Sounds like another um, conversation you need to have with those who are um, in in power. I've given
2: up hope on the people in power. I think if we're going to have any difference in our society, any positive difference, it's going to have to start from individuals acting with impact in mind rather than politicians who are acting with some very different motivations.
0: Rod, it's been really brilliant talking to you, really insightful. Thank you. and thank you for sharing so candidly what you think as well. Um, I'm very pleased that you had whatever it was that that, that happened to you in that period of time that moved you from making money without anything else to this position now where you're really thinking about, as you said, positive impact investing. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
2: You know, I was trying to think of some really esoteric and great choices, but in the end, I just felt, thought back to my days in university and Chuck Mangione and feel so good because it makes me feel so good and that's what I want to feel
0: here it is just for you thanks again That was feels So Good by Chuck Mangione, the song choice of my business shaper today, Rod Schwartz. He talked about a Hebrew phrase, tikkun olam, healing the world, and talked about making a difference. He wanted to do that, having been inside the world where he was just making money. And a little phrase for you, let's work out if we can say it in a better way going forward, fiscal tilting. Let's talk about government actually making it difficult for companies to have negative impacts on the environment and society and make it fantastic for them if they do the opposite, i.e. the positive ones. Really, really good
1: stuff. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz
0: Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or head over to mishkondarare.com forward slash jazz shapers.